0: why not to get into business with your wife or significant other, what saved his marriage from divorce multiple times, how to recruit people with integrity, how to be more patient with others, how to find the best in people, and so much more coming right up. This is episode number 343 with the tattooed millionaire, Sean Dowdell. What's up everybody and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. Do you wanna be more fit and more confident than ever before in just 10 short weeks? Then you should join the 10-Week Transformation Program today. Just go to nickcarrier.com and we will collaborate to cast a clear vision and create a simple strategy to help you achieve your fitness goals. Prepare to show the world the most fit, most confident, and the best version of you. Today, I'm super excited to bring y'all Sean Dowdell. Sean is known as the Tattooed Millionaire, which is also the title of his first book that he wrote in 2017. In addition to his role as founder and CEO of Club Tattoo, he is a drummer with Grey Days. He's a frequent speaker to a variety of audiences and he's been featured in Entrepreneur, GQ, Billboard, and on CNBC, A&E, and more. Thora Dowdell, his wife, was formerly in marketing and sales before becoming a business partner with Sean, initially in the music recording industry and then later in Club Tattoo. Thora is passionate about empowering women business owners through her story. Together, the husband and wife team have authored the new book, Brand Renegades, Our Fearless Path from Startup to Global Brand. You can learn more about it at clubtattoo.com. But before diving into the episode, be sure you're subscribing to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast on the Apple Podcast app, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and be sure to share this episode with a friend while you're listening. Just send them to nickcarrier.com slash Podcast, and if you enjoy the show, I'd love it if you leave a five star rating and review. But without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only Sean Dowdell. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I am super fired up today to be joined by the one and only Sean Dowdell. Sean, I just want to start off by saying thanks so much for spending the time with me today. Oh, thanks for having me on. I really uh, appreciate being here. Of course, man. Of course. Well, I just told you about a week and a half or two weeks ago. I just finished. Uh, your new book, Brand Renegades, Our Fearless, Our Fearless Path from Startup to Global Brand. And kind of the way I want to start today is get ever, give everybody a little bit more context as to what global brand uh, we're talking about here. Um, so you've had a, a lot of different businesses in the past kind of leading up to Club Tattoo and you're in some bands. So in 2009, you started Club Tattoo. I just wanted you to start off by kind of talking about why you wanted to be in, in this business and why at that time. Well, so actually I started the business in 1995. That was my first business, blood Tattoo in
1: Tempe. 2009, I think you're referring to when we opened our flagship studio in Las Vegas. Yes. But in 1995, I was in the music industry touring in a band called Grey Days. And we were having a lot of regional success, had a couple of record deals. we were doing quite well, but when we'd go on these tours... We'd come back and all the money that the band would make, we would put back into the band functionality and the merchandise and recording and all that stuff. So personally, none of us were taking uh, financial benefit from the band. So we came up with an idea to open up a tattoo studio so to help us generate um, income while we were out on the road. That was the initial reason we started the business.
0: Gotcha. And so all of, were all of you guys kind of just tattoo people yourselves and you had passion for it? And so it was just like, let's just do it. No, no. Funny enough, uh, the bass player, Mason, myself,
1: uh, we loved tattoos, and we were promoting some different tattoo night uh, around, around uh, the Greater Phoenix area. And that's what sparked our interest in actually getting into the tattoo and piercing business. I was not a tattooer or a piercer at the time. When I got into the business, I had to learn all of those things and really wrap my mind around becoming an entrepreneur eventually. But the initial idea I was really naive and really green, and just thought it would be a fun way to try to make some money while we were out, be becoming rock stars.
0: Wow, you didn't, you hadn't even had a tattoo or a piercing at the time of starting it. That's crazy. I feel like. Well, I did have I did have one tattoo, but I wasn't I wasn't a tattoo artist yet. Oh, okay, okay. Gotcha. You did have one tattoo. Gotcha. Um, I didn't think I was going to get to this question this early, but do you have a favorite tattoo? Yeah, I have a. My favorite tattoo would be this
1: uh, tattoo on my arm. It's of uh, the goddess Guan Yin, goddess of mercy. And I, I really like it quite a bit. That's my favorite.
0: How long How long have you had that one? Uh, that one's 12 years old. Okay, good deal. Why is it the favorite one? It just
1: reminds me to be kind and compassionate to others it, on a daily basis. I Sometimes it can be a little bit aggressive. And it's just in my nature. Where I come from, i always competing to become better, do more, get more. Uh, out of life and, and not, not materialistically, but get more out of life and, and always push myself. And I have to remind myself that not everybody's like that. Mm-hmm. And I have to try to understand where people are coming from and be a little bit more understanding and compassionate to their story and for where, where they're coming from in life. And it's, it's just a good reminder for me.
0: How do you think, uh, cause I, I, can, I can relate to that a little bit how do you personally work on doing that? Like not get so, cause, cause I'm, I'm kind of like this too. And when other people aren't like this, sometimes I get frustrated. How, do, how are you okay with realizing that everybody isn't similar to you and, and that that's a good thing?
1: Uh, two things. One, when I had children, that really changed my perspective on, Uh, standards and expectations of other human beings. And then two, what helped me was really immersing myself into charitable organizations with my time and energy and being surrounded by, you know, less fortunate human beings on the planet really will bring you down to earth a little bit and remind you of what's important. And 95, 99% of the world would give anything to have a third of what most of us Americans have. So I think we have a bit of a, delusional outlook on the way the world is or the way the world should be versus how we view ourselves and our our personal standards, our personal expectations. So for me, it's a great way to bring myself back down to a little bit of reality, give back to the community that I'm in and the the world in general, give back to the greater world. But for me, it's really easy to get lost in the day-to-day business and building and and trying to overcome things, obstacles, and, and become great. Those things can really cloud the rest of the world if you let it.
0: So you talked about how when you guys first started this in 95, it was kind of a thing to make a little bit extra cash because you just kept putting all the cash that you had into the band itself and into merchandise and that sort of thing. At what point did it... Change into not just a way to get extra cash and like this is going to be a this is something that I really want to do and grow and, and expand
1: it took me about a year to actually wrap my mind around okay, this is a real business, and I have to really focus on each individual attribute of the business in order to make it better and I had to remind myself not to become you know too friendly with my staff and I needed to become a better leader and learn how to manage finances. And once I started understanding the actual functionality of what the business was doing, how it actually was going to make money, it was easier for me to intellectually digest the different processes of what I needed to change my focus on. So that took me about a year to two years to even just... Tip of the iceberg, understand what those things were. When I brought my wife and partner, Thora, into the company in ninety nine 2000 at the, at the same time, there were a couple things happening. I was leaving the music industry, bringing my wife into the business, and we were expanding the business. Those things all together kind of culminated us into becoming true entrepreneurs
0: and really getting into the business aspects on a, on a micro level in regard to when she joined on, you know, a big part of the beginning of your book and one of my favorite parts of the book is you talking about the relationships and the partnerships that you had with uh, people in past businesses and people in your bands and and things of that nature and how a lot of those partnerships went wrong. What gave you the confidence or allowed you to go out on a limb and and take the risk risk of having your wife become a partner in the business even after you've had, you have had so, a lot of different relationships and partnerships not work out the way that you ultimately wanted to? You know, I
1: wish I was gonna give you a, uh, a Tony Robbins moment here answer, but <laughs> uh, the, the, truth, the truth is youth and naivety were the two things that drove me to bring my wife into the company as my partner. I loved her, wanted to see things develop and thought we could make great partners. I would not recommend bringing your spouse into your business It is an easy way to find yourself divorced and your business to fail, especially if you guys don't have the same goals, the same way to approach those goals. Uh, I mean, it really takes a lot to try to manage a relationship and a business partnership in the same household. And we came close to divorce many times. So it's not something I would just... Get on a podium and shout! Oh, this is great! Get your wife and husband involved in your business. I would actually say the quite the opposite. It takes a very special couple to manage both of those roles and actually succeed through it.
0: Yeah, well, I um, admire you for uh, the honesty, and I and I appreciate the honesty. And because I think a lot of people would would see it from the outside and be like, "Oh, it looks so good," and it's probably it'd be easy for somebody. Like you guys just to be like, Yeah, everybody like you should do it. You just have to do X, Y, and Z and it'll all be good. So I appreciate you uh giving the the honest truth. You, you know, to to that point real quick, it's easy to do
1: just about anything when things are going good. Everyone's a genius, everything's great everything's working. Oh, this is so easy. No problem. It's when things get hard that you find out your true character and you find out your partner's character and you find out how you can manage things during a crisis that really puts the cherry on what it is you're doing. Like, okay, am I really good at this? And and the real, the true way to find out if you're really good in business is to manage a couple major catastrophes through your business. And if you come out of it And survive it and are able to thrive after that, then you're probably pretty good at what you're doing. But if you come across people that they've been in business for a year or two and they haven't hit those heavy moments yet. And they think, oh, this is so easy. Well, there's moments, there's ebbs and flow. And sometimes when you open a business, and we've had several of these, you open it everything just goes right to the top. And it's like, oh my God, why didn't we do this before? And then of course,
0: eventually San Francisco comes.
1: Yeah, the, the situational circumstance of the crisis, whatever those things are, they they do happen, and then then it's time to, to prove what you're made of.
0: Yeah, uh, I like that. Um, then yeah, then San Francisco comes and, and all hell breaks loose. I, I like that. <laughs> I, I like that story in the book a lot. You know, you you talked about how it's easy to say that things are great when things are going well, but it's not obviously when shit hits the fan and and things go wrong. And you talk a lot about in your book about the importance of finding people with integrity for for your business partners, people that you hire and things of that nature. What are some questions or what does a conversation need to sound like with a potential business partner or with a potential future employee? What does it need to sound like to determine whether or not they have integrity?
1: Wow, we could have an entire show just on this question. So for me, business partners, I talk about this in the book with Dora. We talk about, find out why you need a partner in the first place. Because a lot of times people think they need a partner for the wrong reason. Mm, um, that's good. When you when you're talking about trying to find out if your partner has integrity, it's difficult just through conversations, especially in the first, you know, few months. You really have to go through their past and find out how they behaved and what their actionable items were during difficult moments when there was no spotlight on them. And the way I view integrity is how people behave when no one's looking. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Do they steal? Have they ever stolen from family, stolen from friends, stolen in general? Have they ever, you know, done any type of fraud activities? I've been around people that have been squeaky clean and not done that stuff. And I've been around people who have done that stuff. And sometimes... The people who've done that stuff, they have this real convenient story as to why they did it. They were put in these circumstances. But for me, my radar starts going off around those items. When you look into people's past behaviors, how they handled themselves when they were given an opportunity to potentially steal when things were going bad with a partnership, I've been around people who I thought had incredible integrity and then their, their partnerships are, are disbanding. And then you find out they're stealing from their partner or trying to get one over on people. So for me, it's it's really how people are acting in the past through times of crisis when people were not specifically looking at them.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, like you said, uh, we could have a whole episode just on that question. So practically, what do you do to kind of figure those things out? Like just do your homework on the person, do your research on the person, reach out to their contacts and and reach out to people who know them. Like what are the practical things that you do to make sure that you kind of have a little bit of an idea of what their action items are when nobody was looking?
1: Man, this is a great question because this actually just happened to us about three or four years ago. Uh, We were bringing in somebody into our company who I had was not great friends with but had had sort of known uh in different industries for about 20 years never really spent a ton of time with him brought him into our company based on his resume he had all his charity work he was this philanthropist he had done all this stuff and done all these businesses we brought him into our business and within literally within two months we just we knew he was a fraud the stuff that was being said just was there are tells you can BS certain people, but on a molecular level in business, you can understand that there are ter- there's ter- certain terms, terminology, vernacular, lexicon, whatever you want to call it within the business spectrum that you either understand or you don't. And things were coming to a surface that he just clearly didn't understand. I started looking into these other things that were on his resume, these charities, these, you know, this, he'd go to prisons and give lectures at prisons. I found out it was all lies, all of it. So what I would suggest to answer your question is that you actually do your due diligence. Don't just go off their resume. If you think you know somebody, still go and do the research, man. You know, It certainly could have helped Thor and I. We ended up in a nasty uh, situation having to exit this person from our company literally two months after bringing him in and it was, a, it was a lesson well learned. Um, just don't take things at face value. I hope
0: that people listening right now, that this saves them that burden of, of having somebody like that enter their business or, or anything like that. So I appreciate you sharing that. I kind of want to go back to a little bit of the dynamic between you and your wife and, and your in and the business relationship and, and making sure that it doesn't ruin the, the personal relationship as well. You, you, I think you talked about in the book how you guys had some disagreements and arguments a decent amount early on in the, in the business part of the relationship, what are the different like systems that y'all had in place, both as a business partnership and as a marriage that allowed you to not wreck it? Like, you know, was it things like when we go home after work, when we're in bed, we're not talking about it at all. Or was it, what, what were some different things that y'all had set in place to make sure things didn't get ruined?
1: Once again, uh, my answer is going to revert to naivety and youth. I think the one thing my wife and I speak about this often is the one thing that has saved us during those absolute horrible times was our passion for each other, our love and our passion. Uh, and we preach this to our children as well. Don't settle for a girlfriend that you think it just because you spent two years with this person, um, they need, the next step needs to be marriage. If you're not absolutely passionate, can't live without this person, don't wanna go a day without seeing them, don't marry them. Um, that, that is the best piece of advice I can give in relationship because when things get really hard, it is easy to, to quit. If you're not absolutely passionate, and, and this goes into business as well, if you're not absolutely passionate about what you're doing, when things get hard and life is kicking your ass, it's easy just to give up and walk away. And it's also one of the things we talk about this in our book as well. Um You know, people think that capital contributions are their biggest problem. A lot of young entrepreneurs will come up to us and talk to us and say, you know, our biggest problem is we just don't have the money. And I'll say that uh, nine times out of 10, that's wrong. That's incorrect. Your biggest problem is not that you don't have access to money. More than likely, if you had the money you think you need, you'd probably make some pretty large mistakes. And we talk about making affordable mistakes in the book. When I was 20 years old, opening up Club Tattoo. If somebody would have given me $150,000, $200,000 to open up my business, I would have allocated it in all the wrong areas. I would have bought a bunch of T-shirts that nobody would have bought. I would have bought jewelry inventory that nobody would have bought because I didn't understand the business well enough yet to have the kind of access to the capital to make affordable mistakes. And that is really important for young entrepreneurs is learning how to take assessed risk and affordable mistakes without just accepting money. Because sometimes you'll have family members that will give you the money you're asking for because you're family and they want to try to help you. They don't realize by giving you that money, sometimes it's a detrimental contribution to your your business. Sometimes when you grind it out and you have to... Squeeze every nickel out of something in order to make it work. Those are the moments that make you an entrepreneur. Those are the moments that lead to your ultimate success. It's not just having access to money every single time. Some of the biggest mistakes I've made was because I had too much money. So it, it, it's, it, it's a really tough thing to, to try to tell someone that doesn't have money. Hey, don't take $100,000 from this person. Don't do that. That's the wrong move. I'm, most people, when
0: they haven't had access to that type of money, they think you're crazy. But it really is solid advice. No, I and I really I'm really glad that you shared that because I think as so many people who listen to the show and, and me in particular too, it's like and, and just I feel like millennials were impatient with success. We want to be successful in that yesterday, and we wish we had more. But one of the things that I like to say is that success is supposed to take time because it forces you to form the habits necessary to sustain it. Because like if you like I know I, I know the same thing with me right now. Like if I had all this Excess cash, all this excess money, I wouldn't know the appropriate ways to be allocating it and to be spending it. So I really appreciate you sharing that. I could not agree more. You know, they say something
1: like 85% of all professional sports players are literally filing for bankruptcy within five years after they leave the league. Something like 80% of all lottery winners are bankrupt within three years after winning a lottery. It's not because these people are stupid. It's because they haven't developed the discipline of how to spend money. When you have money, there's a responsibility that comes with it. And God, I feel like, what's the guy from Gilligan's Island, you know, Thurston Howell the Third, like preaching from this high you know, mountaintop of, oh, I'm so rich and you should do like that. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say that those mistakes you make along the way are important to make with small amounts of money. Because when you make large mistakes with large amounts of money, especially as a young entrepreneur, young business owner, most of the time you can't rebound. They're not affordable mistakes for you to make. So
0: it's really important to understand the responsibility of money. I love it, man. Well, I want to get a little bit back to the the relationship side of things because I just think that that's such a powerful part of y'all's story. And one of the, my, probably my, my favorite line from your book is, a true partnership is when your goal becomes not to find a perfect partner, but to become a better partner. I, th- I thought that was such a, a powerful line and so such a profound line. What are the things that you did that you worked on to become that better partner yourself, rather than you know trying to find a better partner out there somewhere else?
1: Oh man! Once again, this could be a whole nother show. Um. You know to, to to give you the Cliff Notes version, we went to some therapy early on, uh, 10 years or so of marriage. Tried to understand where my wife's where my wife was coming from, uh, tried to understand where her values were in the company and where, where she brought more value or different value or different perspective than I did in the company, and under learning how to manage my reactions, learning how to accept those roles she was bringing and stay in my lane and let her do what she was good at. Not even let her do what she was good at, but but just stay in my lane and, and honor our partnership and honor her role in that. Those are important. I read a lot of books. I listen to a lot of audio books, uh, probably average a book a week. And I just learned different perspectives, different techniques, different approaches from hundreds, if not thousands of different... Um, not only entrepreneurs but you know public speakers motivational speakers just history books I, le- I learn a lot from history believe it or not there's so many aspects that i try to take something from i try to learn something from everybody i do business with i try to learn from my staff i just try to try to be a little bit more open and understanding and other people's approaches other people's perspectives just try to give them an opportunity to be heard and i need to practice that more often the fact you're bringing it up is making me think to myself okay now that you're saying this out loud you need to go back this week and reflect on it a little bit and actually practice a little bit more it's something i constantly need to work on
0: yeah well, it's yeah it's never a, a finish line that that we cross We'll be back to the interview in just a second. But first, I wanted to share a quick testimonial from a past participant of the 10-Week Transformation Program. I started running the 10WT in the beginning of 2020 and I've had over 150 people on counting go through it and they've seen amazing results both inside and out. If you're inspired to join after listening to the testimonial, then go to nickcarrier.com to learn more. We'll get back to the episode in just a minute, but first, here's what they had to say.
2: Hey, my name is Drew. As for why I joined Nick's program, I was, in a bit of a routine um, from a previous workout perspective and just was looking to kind of jump start and find something new that was going to introduce me to some new ways of, of working out that were both more aggressive and, and more scheduled getting up early in the morning has been really uh, kind of a game changer for me and, and kind of starting the day off obviously with Nick's two workouts that he does as a group, and I've I've applied those across all of the workouts that he's built for us through the program, and and I think it's just a great way to start the day. Getting here, working hard, uh, and then knowing that you've accomplished that uh, to start the day, it's been really beneficial to me, uh, both from a physical perspective but from a mental perspective as well. My favorite thing about the program uh, has just been the level of planning and strategic thinking around, you know, your goals and how to get there. And then you know, understanding that planning and all that is one thing, but the application of, of those tactics and you know, Nick really helps you to think about what are the small things in my day that are going to help me get to where I need to go. You should join Nick's 10-week program.
0: You, you know, you, t- you, t- you talked about one of the biggest things f- also with Kind of the, your relationship with her is let, letting her do yeah, not letting her but allowing her to do what what she does best. what is the appropriate way as a leader to give kind of like a framework or a little bit of a lane for people to work in but then allow them to be creative kind of within that lane like how does how does that balance work? I know that's a big question, but how what's the balance of giving them a framework to be creative within?
1: You know, I have a different approach for each each person I'm dealing with. If I'm dealing with a tattoo artist, the framework I'll give them is, okay, this is your space to work in. This is the time you need to be here. This is how we interact with our clients professionally. You get you do the rest. You do the art concept. You do the technical aspects, the, the implementation of whatever the tattoo is. And you approach that artistically however you like. Now, let's say I'm dealing with an electrician on building a, a building a business. I don't try to teach him how to do the wiring. I say, this is where we want the wiring and this is how we want it to look. Now do your thing. I, I think I don't think everything is an artistic approach conversation. Uh, it depends on what I'm, what aspect of the business I'm dealing with at the time as far as how much personal freedoms I try to integrate into their role or, or their operation.
0: Gotcha. Yes, yeah, it's definitely got to be a person-by-person basis. But I think, you know, as a, as a good leader, you you know how to, through a conversation with that person and through building a relationship with that person and and what they want, you learn how to do it. You find out people's strengths rather quickly. You find out people who are, you know, we have people in our
1: company who are extremely shy, but they really shine if I give them certain... Goal-oriented tasks and the task management stuff that they they thrive in that stuff or they thrive in numbers or there we have people who are really outgoing who don't thrive in that area so they're the front customer service side of the business and they get to interact and have that loud uh, exchange of ideas and and fun and good natured stuff you just have to you have to find out people's strengths that you're dealing with and make sure that they're in the right role within your company because they may add value where um, it's not obvious. So you have to dig a little bit, find out where it is you think that their value it's Don't just plug a hole with the person. Sometimes I think a lot of people make the mistake, go, okay, well, this is the role that's open. We're going to hire. This person is so qualified because of their resume. We're just going to put them in that role. Well, find out what they love. Find out what they are really good at and try to find the role that suits them in your company, and I think they'll be a lot more efficient and productive for for what it is you're asking of them.
0: That's, that's solid. That's solid. Well, I want to get down to the last couple of questions. I remember what I was what I was going to ask before, and it's, it was around the the line that I brought up from the book of a true partnership is when your goal becomes not to find a perfect partner, but to become a perfect or become a better partner. Was there a particular instance that allowed you to adopt that mindset? Because that's kind of a, a mindset of, I'm not going to blame anybody else. I'm going to take full ownership. I'm going to take responsibility for improving myself and make sure I'm the best partner that I could possibly be. Like, was there an instance where you realized that you screwed something up and it wasn't somebody else's fault? Or was there a particular instance that allowed you to really adopt that mindset?
1: Yeah, once again, I, I, I listened to a lot of books um my wife and i have done a lot of discovery uh, a lot of immersive uh conferences there's one that sticks out of my mind i think it's ultimate power within uh conference we did in florida with tony robbins and we both walked on 2000 degree hot coals um that was a very transformative event for the two of us and uh just prior to that a couple years prior to that i started reading all of tony's books I just really like his philosophy. I hate to keep dropping his name, but I really I really love a lot of things he stands for and it's really helped shape the way I think and the way I try to approach problems. You know, I the way I grew up was it's weird it's so weird how my vernacular changes as i get older in my 20s i would have told you i grew up super poor now that i've been around the world i realize that our version of super poor is pretty damn rich if you're in africa or mexico or south america so i grew up in what i would call american not very uh, wealthy you know very middle lower class uh, family and i grew up scrapping a lot getting in a lot of fights and that aggressive behavior was what we needed in our neighborhood to survive and to get to, to, to basically survive. And as you get older and wiser and you have a company and you have, you know, 120 plus employees, those, the the mindset that I grew up with is not applicable or helpful anymore. I can't go out in a parking lot, punch somebody in the face anymore. It doesn't solve the problem. It certainly causes more problems, And so I had to find new approaches on how to deal with people. And I'm dealing with a lot of females. I can't get angry. I can't scream. I can't raise my voice. I can't punch a hole in the wall. Those things are anti-productive. So in my 20s, I had to grow through that immaturity, that inability to deal with problems without physical violence. Those things are real things in my life. And I had to learn how to overcome those things and deal with people on their level so that they would be able to understand what it was that I wanted from them and the result that we needed from that moment. So from whatever situation we having to find ourselves in. So those were all learning situations for me. And hopefully, I like to think of myself as a somewhat intelligent human being. And if you don't learn from your mistakes, then you're just you're bound to repeat them. So those were things that were happening in my life, in my business world that I needed to either change or was going to get the same results.
0: Mm. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. That that's awesome. Um, before I ask the last question, Sean, I just want to acknowledge you for your honesty. I mean, right there, I appreciate you acknowledging the, you know, the the immaturities that you said you used to have and and working through them and how you've adopted them as learning lessons. And I appreciate your honesty around uh, you talking about the relate the business relationship with your wife and how a lot of it was just youth and naivete. And, uh, and luckily that you guys are are still together and everything like that. And I appreciate your honesty that, uh, not everybody should join, uh, forces with their wife when it comes to business and and not just faking that everything is always just good and great. Um, and, and obviously you guys are impacting so many people with your business and impacting so many people that you hire as well. So you're doing just amazing work and I appreciate you, everything you've shared today. Oh, I appreciate the kind words. Thank you very much. Of course. Of course. Well, you guys make sure you go grab the book Brand Renegades, Our Fearless Path from Startup to Global Brand. You can go to their website, businessgamechangers.com. You can also get it on Amazon and anywhere you get books. Make sure you also follow Sean on Instagram at Sean underscore Dowdell. Uh, is there any other best place that people should go support you guys and learn more? Sure. You can find
1: us at clubtattoo.com, businessgamechangers.com, our socials, Club Tattoo. Uh, Drinked bar is a new bar project that thor and i are opening up in vegas next month you can find us on socials at business game changers and brand renegades you can book us to speak or business consult uh, at businessgamechangers.com. and hopefully you read the book or listen to it on audible and uh hopefully you like it hopefully there's some meaningful impactful lessons in there for for you
0: yeah well i know there was impactful lessons for me i have a uh, front and back a couple of pages of notes over here from from the book and that, that these weren't just podcast interview notes. They were just notes for uh, myself as an entrepreneur. Um, Well, last question here, Sean, is I think that getting closer to the best version of yourself is both a constant journey and a unique journey. I think that, I don't know if we're ever at the best version of ourselves, And I think that the way that I'm going to get there is a little bit different than the way that you're going to get closer to the best version of yourself. So last question is for you personally, if there are three things that you can currently do or currently work on to get closer to that best Sean Dowdell that you could possibly be, and what are those three things that you could currently do or currently work on?
1: Uh, first thing for me at this stage of my life is contribution. I want to make sure I'm impacting other people's lives in a meaningful, healthy way, uh, whether that be through charity, whether that be through time, energy, uh, whether that be through community, whether that be as a leader for my staff, hiring. Um, trying to help people find homes, helping uh, abused women get out of relationships that are toxic and harmful to their children. All those things are meaningful ways for me to contribute back into the world. Uh, Two is my physical health. I love to run. I love to work out. I love to play tennis. Those keep my heart and my mind uh, stress-free, and I have a very stressful 15 businesses that I run. So I try to make sure that I'm going to wake up tomorrow. That's first and foremost. And then just trying to be a better dad, a better husband. Those things are all meaningful ways for me to be a better version of me.
0: The rest will follow if I can do those three things. Mm. Awesome. Three great things, Sean. I really appreciate your time today, man. That was awesome. Did anybody ever tell you you look like Captain America? <laughs> I don't think so, but I will, I will 100% take it.
1: That's a good thing. I wish I looked like Captain America.
0: (laughs) Thanks for having me on, dude. I will take it. I appreciate it. Have a good day. I hope you all enjoyed this awesome episode with Sean. I want to make sure that you share the episode with a friend or family member by just clicking the share button or by sending them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. Also, if you liked it, be sure to rate it and review it on the iTunes and Apple podcast app and let me know what your favorite takeaway from Sean was. Also, do you wanna head into 2022 regretting all the decisions that you made during the holiday season? I know it's really hard to stay focused on your health and fitness goals when there's Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas, but I wanna make sure that you head into the new year as the most fit, most confident, and best version of yourself that you've ever been, and you can do so in just 10 short weeks. Join the 10-Week Transformation Program today by going to nickcarrier.com, and we will collaborate to cast a clear vision and create a simple strategy to help you achieve your fitness goals. Prepare to show the world the most fit, most confident, and best version of you. Also, guys, be sure to go grab a copy of Sean and his wife, Thora's new book, Brand Renegades, Our Fearless Path from Startup to Global Brand at businessgamechangers.com. This book is an honest look at their ups and downs of their careers and how they've made it on top as now he's owner of 15 different businesses. I absolutely loved this episode with Sean. I loved hearing about how he started the business simply as a way to make some extra cash, but now it's a multi-million dollar brand with seven locations. Remember what he talked about in the beginning? If we're ever frustrated or upset with somebody else, most of the time it's because we set some kind of standard or expectation on that person. We often set expectations for other people that they didn't deserve and we get frustrated when they don't live up to it. So let's try not to set unrealistic standards or expectations on others. Also, remember what a true partnership is. It's when your goal becomes not to find a perfect partner, but to become a better partner. Find ways to work on yourself so that you can be all you can be for your partner, whether that's in business or in your personal life. Now, Sean shared some amazing things today about the importance of learning from your mistakes, how to find people with integrity, how to be a great partner in our relationships, and so much more and that I hope you take away and I hope that you start to implement so that you can get closer and closer to your best you.